Shalom, welcome to Tanakh study. This is Alex Israel from Alon Shvut, and we are studying Perak Chaf Dalad, chapter 24, and the, we're going to now reach the scene in which Yitzchak actually meets Rivka. We're reading from chapter 24, and we're going to start from Pasuk Samach Aleph, verse 61. Vatakam Rivka v'narotecha v'tirkavna lagmalim. Rivka and her maidens, or her um, assistants, mount the camels, ish, and they follow the man, eved et rifka and the eved, the slave of Avraham, takes rifka and he goes. From their perspective, he is the ish, but from his perspective, his mission, he is just the slave. Yitzchak was coming from going. In other words, he frequented Be'er Lachairo'i. If you recall, that is the place where Hagar met an angel when she was running away from Avraham and Sarah. Yitzchak lived in the Negev. Yitzchak went out Lasuach. Interesting word, we're going to talk about it. Maybe to converse in the field. Converse with who? Yitzchak went out to converse in the fields. Lifnot Erev, towards evening, Vayisainav. He lifted up his eyes, Vayar, and looked, Vihinegmalimbaim, camels in the distance, Vatisarifkatineha. Notice this lovely symmetry, Vayisainav, Vayar, Vihinegmalimbaim. He sees the camels, Vatisarifkatineha, Rifka, who is on the camel, lifts up her eyes and sees Yitzchak. Why does he see camels and she sees him? He's probably alone in the field, and um, and she is sitting on a camel which is much larger than her, and several camels. So you see, the large camels. You don't necessarily can't pick out an individual on the camels, but she sees him alone in the field. So, Vatisarif um, she lifts up her eyes and sees Yitzchak. Vatipol me'al gamal. Again, an interesting phrase. Did she fall off the camel? Or did she, as many of the Mepharshim explain, alight from the camel? Suddenly the Ish is not the Eved, is not Avram's slave, but rather Yitzchak, who is the man who is coming towards us in the field to meet us. The Eved says, he is my master. This is the first time the word master is used, not about Avraham, but about Yitzchak, which is showing the transferal of generations, that now, now that Yitzchak has found his match, Yitzchak is now Adoni. if she took her scarf, Vatitkas, and covered her face. The slave told Yitzchak everything that he had done. And Yitzchak brought Rivka into the tent, the tent of his mother Sarah, and he married Rivka. The word Vayikach is always a language of marriage. And she was his wife. And he loved her. And Yitzchak was consoled after the death of his mother. Let's try and look at this scene and understand a little more about it. And we're going to, it's a short scene and we've got time to discuss it. So let's uh, look at some different approaches. The first thing I'd like to say 
is that we see, as I saw already indicated when we, when we read, a beautiful symmetry. Yitzchak lifts up his eyes and sees. Rivka lifts up her eyes and sees Yitzchak. I'd say more than that. Yitzchak is coming from Be'er Lachairo'i. He is coming from a well. And Rivka too is coming from a well. Um, moreover, they meet in a field, um, in the open, outside, much like the same place that the Eved found Rivka. And just like the Eved happened to meet Rivka almost by chance, Yitzchak happens to meet Rivka. I think what I'm trying to say is that even though we depicted the scene by the wellside in Aram, in Padan Aram, or, or wherever, Ir Nachor, um, as a moment in which Rivka is the active one and Yitzchak is absent, here we have stretched out the marital scene and we're seeing the final um, segment of it. And it's almost like we're trying to put Yitzchak by the well and we try to almost have Yitzchak meet Rivka in the same fashion in which the Eved met him. But of course what she sees or what Yitzchak is doing when he's coming from Be'er Lachai Ro'i is that he is going Lasuach Basadeh to talk in the field. What is he doing? What is he talking about? Who is he talking to? And here we will see several different approaches. Uh, Rashbam has a very unique approach. He says, Lasuach is a verb from the word Siach. Siach means a plant. So what was he doing? He's out in the field. He is Latat Ilanot Vlirot Inyanepa'alav. He went to plant trees and to see what his workers were up to. We'll see later on in chapter 26 that Yitzchak is actually a farmer. He's the only one of the Avot who is a farmer in the land. He is not a shepherd like his father or a shepherd like Yaakov will be. He is a farmer. So when it says that Yitzchak is going Lasuach Basadeh, he is walking through the plants and he is um, planting trees. He is Lasuach, he's involved in his Sichim. Likewise, the Ibn Ezra, Lasuach, Lalechet Bein HaSichim. He is walking amongst the plants. Now, why are they all so interested in saying this? Because this is, it talks about how he's in the field. What else would you be doing in a field other than Lasuach, be connected by Sichim? But Rashi uh, has a different approach. Rashi says uh, Lasuach means Lashon Tfilah, that he's actually literally from the word Siach, which means to speak. He quotes the Pasuk in Tehillim. He pours out his conversation. In other words, his conversation is that of tefillah. That Yitzchak is somehow davening, he's praying in the field. And this uh, is famous from the Gemara in Brachot, that Avram instituted the tefillah of Shacharit. Avram was the one who prayed in the morning. As we saw when he stood over Sodom, that uh, it says... And they say this is prayer. Yitzchak established Mincha because he goes out towards evening. What's he praying about? What's Yitzchak praying about? And here I would like to offer two um, very, very diametrically opposed approaches. 
The first is going to be uh, based on Rashi, but we're going to take it a little further in the writings of the Natsiv Rav Naftali Tzvi Huda Berlin. I mentioned already the first bit of Rashi, that Yitzchak is praying in the field, but um, it goes further than that because it says that Rivka lifted up her eyes, she saw Yitzchak, and here I quote Rashi, she saw his majestic appearance and she was astounded by him. Or maybe she was amazed by his face. This is Rashi quoting the Medrash Rabbah. The Natsiv, Rav Naftali Suyuhra Berlin, takes this in a very, very interesting direction where he wants to suggest, and he, he also dwells on the Vatipol Me'al HaGamal. Uh, she fell off the camel and uh, says this, Savav Hashem HaKadosh Baruch Hu Savav God designed she Yitzchak Baal Boto Eitz Mibor Be'er Lachai Ro'i Shahaya Lo Oto Makom Yuchad Litfila Vitbodedut At that moment God organized that he would, particularly the moment when Rivka would be coming, that he would be coming from Be'er Lachai Ro'i, a place when Hagar, where Hagar encountered angels. It's a place of deep um, divine encounter. And he calls it a place which is Miuchad Litfila Vitbodedut a place which is for tefillah and for being alone with God, Allah Be'er Shinir Shamamalach, where the angel appeared to Hagar. Vateret Yitzchak, Rivka sees Yitzchak ba'oda omeru mitpalel while he's praying. Vaya'az mareu kamalach elokim nora. He appeared in a state of prayer, Yitzchak, with such intensity that he appeared to Rivka like an angel of God, a fearful angel of God. Nora ma'od. She fell off the camel in a state of fright. And she asked the Ebed, who is this man? And then she covers herself says the native, out of a sense of fear and embarrassment as if to say almost as if she felt she was not fitting to be his wife. And now the native says the most tragic aspect of this explanation and from that moment on, she had a certain fear of Yitzchak. And he, she wasn't like the way that Sarah was with Avraham or Rachel with Yaakov. That we find that with Rachel, when she couldn't have children, she spoke very harshly to Yaakov. Sarah spoke her mind to Avraham. Rivka was never able to do this. Whereas they, they could get very angry with their husbands, Rachel and Sarah, and the Nitziv sees this as a good thing. They had an open relationship. Masha Enkin, Rivka, Rivka could not do this. And this is the background, says the Nitziv. This scene of uh, where they meet each other explains much of what we see later on in the story where Yitzchak, where, for example, Rivka goes when she's having difficulty with her pregnancy behind Jacob's back in order to seek God. Does she ever tell him the prophecy that she got? She certainly is part of the uh, duplicity, part of the um, trickery against um, Yitzchak in the um, in the story of the brachot. 
And uh, what we see here is a flawed relationship. Where did it all begin? With this scene in the field where she saw him in a state of prayer which was so overwhelming. That is the Nitziv's explanation. I have to say I find this hard. First of all, maybe hard to believe that Yitzchak and Rivka had such a difficult relationship, but also difficult because if you see the end of the chapter, you see that Yitzchak brought it into her tent. He is, uh, she gives him comfort. He loves her. Later on in the next uh, um, chapter, we will find that Yitzchak is metacheket Rivka ishto, that they are clearly intimate and comfortable with one another. Um, more than that. Rashi in the next parsha talks about the Yitzchak prayed opposite his wife and he imagines not Yitzchak praying as the only active one but Rashi says he imagines a scene where not only Yitzchak is praying but Yitzchak and Rivka is praying a certain symmetry between them a certain unity of uh, action and unity of interest and here I turn to the Sforno where the Sforno has a different explanation of Lasuach he also says it's prayer but he says the, he says the following he says when Yitzchak went to meditate in the field what was he doing he went off the path he says he went out into the field so that he went off the road so that people wouldn't disturb him and he says, He had already prayed at Be'er Lachai Ro'i. He prayed again. Why was he praying? Why was he so involved in prayer? Why did he go to Be'er Lachai Ro'i? Well, the reason is because he knows that Ebed Avraham, that the slave is going to find him a shiduch, is going to look for him for a wife, and now is a time of prayer. And he says... Kodem Shehit Palel, even before he'd managed to get his prayer out, Ne'enah, Al Derech Minayom HaShenatatet Lebechel Avin Litanok Shemim Nishmu'u Dvarech. In other words, even before he prayed, he was answered, Vayisa'ina Vayar, he looks up and suddenly the camels are already here. She looks up and she's, she sees Yitzchak. A sense of their two eyes meeting. Let me add that Vaisa Inavayar frequently indicates seeing something, an object of desire, an object that you want. So, for example, Avram is at the entrance to his tent looking for guests. Um, sometimes it's revelation. but Or, for example, Avram on the way to Akeda and uh, lifts up his eyes and sees the Etamakomirachok. Or he sees the ayl nechaz basvach. He sees the ram caught in the bushes. On the one hand, a sense of revelation. On the other hand, a sense of desire. For Yitzchak, Rivka is a revelation. For Rivka, Yitzchak is a revelation. And in this regard, I don't think we necessarily need to read something into the text that isn't there. In in this sense, vatipol me'al hagamal, we can easily read this phrase vatipol me'al hagamal as is read by Rashi. Um, his shmita at smala aret. She lowered herself to the ground. Or batipomi alagamal biritzona says the Ibn Ezra willingly. Uh, I sort of like the Rashbam's explanation where he says that she was riding um, regularly on the 
camel, and when she realized that Yitzhak was her husband, what's Gamal, she changed her posture to ride side saddle because she considered it not to be particularly modest to ride with full saddle. Whichever way, Gamal doesn't need to indicate a shock, and here we might well say that we see um, even if Yitzhak is praying. Let's think about it this way. Rivka clearly, as we've seen, is a spiritually attuned person. She's attuned to chesed. And maybe she saw Yitzchak praying in the field in a in a unique way. And he, she looked at him and this was exactly the person she's been waiting for. And likewise, he sees Rivka and she is the person that, she's been, that he's been waiting for. So I don't think that we need to necessarily come to this with a negative perspective. I want to finish with looking at a very famous Rashi on the last Pasuk of this Perak because it says that uh, Yitzchak brought Rivka into his tent, the tent of his mother Sarah and Rashi has a lovely, brings a lovely Midrash he says all the time that Sarah was alive there was a candle from Friday to Friday, there was bread, there was a blessing in the bread, and there was a cloud tied to the tent. When Sarah died, all those things stopped. There was no light from Shabbat to Shabbat. There was no blessing in the bread and there was no cloud on the tent. And when Rivka came back, they returned. Uh, I will say that we can understand this in the perspective of the story. As once my Rosh Hashiva of Amital, Zichronoli Vracha, explained, the idea of a ner daluk me'er Shabbat le'er Shabbat, usually we have ner Shabbat, a candle for Shabbat, which indicates the spirituality of the day. But the ner daluk me'er Shabbat le'er Shabbat says that the candle was there all week, that Sarah and now Rivka's whole life is full of spirituality. Spiritual ambitions are not only there for Shabbat, they're there for the week. The Anan Kashur Ohel is the sense of a cloud above the tent, which shows spiritual ambition, spiritual aspiration. Um, and the bracha in the, in, the, in the dough is clearly the attentiveness to Hachnasat Orchim. But I have to say, when you look at this deeper, and this I heard from uh, my colleague and friend, Rabbi Michael Hattin, um, there is another tent where there is a blessing in the dough and the dough lasts from Shabbat to Shabbat, where the candles are also lit all the time, and where there is a cloud above the tent, and that is the Mishkan. The Mishkan, there is a, a cloud above the tent, as we read in the end of Sefer Shemot. Of course, the menorah, has to be lit tamid lahalot ner tamid, and the lechem panim, which is changed every Shabbat, lasts from Shabbat to Shabbat. If you want, there is a transposing of the ner to the bread, and what they're saying is that in some way the ohel sarah, of course it's an ohel, it's a tent like the ohel moed, is indeed a, uh, a, a like the mishkan. It is an ohel moed. <laughs> it's a place where it's not only Avram who meets God. But it is Sarah who meets God. And what they're saying in this form of this Midrash is that Rivka brought back the Shekhinah to the family. The Shekhinah with the absence of Sarah. We might think that Avram holds the Shekhinah, not Sarah, but this Midrash is saying, no, no, no. 
It was Sarah's tent where the Shekhinah rests. Sarah's tent was like the Ohel Mo'ed. It wasn't just Avram's tent, it was Sarah's tent. And only once we have the unification of the husband and the wife can we really have that sense of Shekhinah Beinehem. It was uh, the presence either of Sarah with Avraham or with Rivka together with Yitzchak, which would bring the Shekhinah to the house of Avraham. So here we've seen two very, very different perspectives on the relationship between Yitzchak and Rivka and on the relationship um, and, and on the the and on this meeting scene is it a very negative image like the Natsif said or is it a much more positive image as indicated by uh, by Rashi and as indicated by the Sforno that is for you to decide uh, when you read this for yourself Okay, have a wonderful day. Next time we will be finishing up Parsha Chaye Sarah, uh, the last chapter, chapter 25.